You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Ahead on this program, and I want to make sure everybody knows what's going on, we have James Fox from Future Sox, the Loop Sports. We're going to be going through the draft that's coming up, the White Sox picking third overall. A lot of discussion on who they're going to take. James is going to tell you who he thinks they're going to take, and we're going to talk about all the different possibilities. We're going to do that in the middle of the show, and then we're actually probably going to extend and do a special Just Draft show, myself, James Fox, happening later on this weekend. It'll be released on this feed. So if you don't subscribe to Socks in the Basement and you only listen to it when you see it pop up in your news feed on Facebook or Twitter or whenever you remember it and you're not a subscriber for free on iTunes or Spotify or any of the other places that you can get a podcast, make sure you are subscribed because if you're subscribed, you will not miss that special on the draft. But we will be talking draft during this show. Dave is back. Hello, I'm back. I'm excited about that. In, in addition to you being back, which I hate you not being around, it bothers me. We also have a guest next week I want to plug real quick, Steve Parazinski, who I mentioned he had an article about trimming the fat on the roster. Yes, I read that article. Okay. Very good. It was very good. He's going to be on the program. He reached out. Oh, he heard, excellent. heard excellent. us discussing him, and he was like, hey, I'll come on and talk about it. I'm like, perfect. Um, it's perfect timing as well. My dad used to always say, Sometime around Memorial Day, the 1st of June, you know what you've got. That's a big enough sample size. That's how you know. He used to tell me when I was a little kid sitting next to him, driving up to 35th and Shields to go watch uh, Ozzie Guillen and the 1985 White Sox go out and lose a bunch of games. And he was telling me, we're never going to win anything. Just go out and enjoy the game of baseball. That was something he would tell me. And he was right. Yes, I really because, think that that holds true. Because I watched this, I watched uh, a good bit of the series over the weekend, and I pretty much know what we got. All right, we're going to get into all of that, but the first thing I want to jump into, and I know you're angry and you want to talk about what happened over the past weekend, and really the road trip. I think we have different thoughts on the road trip. I can just tell by your attitude and mine. I want to start off the show with a little bit of research that I did on my own. Now, I had a thought, and I wanted to make a point about something. And I wanted to talk about a guy by the name of Jose Abreu. Okay. Who I think when we're talking about prospects, we're talking about all the different things going on in the team, sometimes he gets lost. And he's not having the greatest of seasons this year. And I wanted to find a specific stat so I could see if I was right or if I was just imagining things. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't get it on baseball reference. I couldn't get I mean, everywhere I looked, I couldn't get this. I had to go back and I went through every White Sox box score for the regular season to this point. Okay. All of them. That's a lot of work to prove a point. It wasn't that hard. So it, it, The internet's amazing. So I just went <laughs> and flipped through it, okay? And I, and I just looked for specifically who's been hitting behind him all year long and okay. when they've been hitting. So, okay. so here's, what, here's the thing, and these are the interesting things that I found about that. First of all, 75% of the time, it's Alonzo or Castillo 
behind him. Now we've gotten into this discussion well, not before, like this, but not I like just, this. So now we're sure. now we're bringing up because before we were just kind of speculating. So we actually have hard numbers to back our I, our thing up. I've here. been accused of being a blowhard a few times on Twitter now, just and I a don't few actually times? I don't actually look at stats, and that's not true. It's just sometimes when I'm trying to explain something. You know, maybe I'm not going to completely geek out and make it into an hour and a half long podcast. We do 30 minutes. So sometimes maybe I don't explain it very well. So I wanted to explain this. So here, let me just break this down real quick because we got a lot to get into today, Dave. All right, all right. I want to know what you think about it. 75% of the time, it's almost exactly 75%. Alonzo or Castillo or anybody other than James McCann bat behind Abreu. And those few instances when it's somebody who's not McCann has been because of a pinch hitter. See what I'm saying? Until the 24th of April, one month into the season, the only two guys who ever hit behind Abreu were Alonzo or Castillo. So clearly that was the plan that Renteria had. Alonzo generally, and every once in a while, he would throw Castillo in there depending on the pitching matchup. In his mind, that was the best thing for the four spot of your team. The other 25% of the time, it's been McCann. He's the only guy that really gets thrown in there in the four spot. And it has happened now for one-fourth of the at-bats to date. 205 total at-bats for Abreu. 164 of them with Alonzo or Castillo or one of these pinch hitters, which I'll be honest with you right now, it's very few. It's probably like about five or six pinch hits have happened behind him. The results are, I don't think, skew this in any way whatsoever. Okay, okay, right, right. 41 at-bats for McCann. Here are the stats. With Alonzo or Castillo hitting behind Abreu, Abreu hitting third, and one of those guys hitting fourth. Jose Abreu has 11 walks and 48 strikeouts. Remember that difference. Okay. 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 He is 36 for 164 at the plate with nine doubles and nine home runs. No triples. Okay. Okay. His average. 36 for what was the total? 36 for 164. Wow. His average is 220. His on-base percentage is 269. His slugging percentage is 415. And his OPS is 683. Yikes. That is atrocious. Yes, that's bad. That is the number three spot in your order. And we're also talking about the guys that you're putting fourth are both hitting under 200. So your number three and your number four spots in your lineup produce terribly whenever you put Alonzo or Castillo in the four spot behind Abreu and give him zero protection. Now, for the 25% of the time that Ricky Renteria has put James McCann, who's been hot hitting, and I don't care if you think that this is real or you don't think it's real. Major League pitchers think it's real enough that they at least give better pitches to Abreu. Okay? Major League pitchers figured it I mean, because here's the thing. Because wait a minute. look at the first week of the season, Abreu does well because nobody's figured out that Alonzo can't hit. But in in the major leagues, people figure things out very quickly. This is the pros. So then they figure it out. So even that good first week for Abreu is included in those terrible stats. Here, let me give you McCann before you jump in. Right. Here's McCann. With McCann behind him, he's 18 for 41. He's got five doubles. He's got five doubles, four homers, and he's got five walks to seven strikeouts. Remember the ratio of walks to strikeouts without him? Striking out all the time because pitchers can pitch around him. Yep. They're not worried about what's coming on after him. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Because what's coming after him is an out. They feel like it's a break. So he gets junk pitches. He's hitting 439 
with an OBP and on base percentage of 500. He's on one out of every two times he comes on the plate with James McCann hitting Dude, behind his, him. What's his, his OPS? Slugging percentage is, his slugging percentage is 951. What? His OPS is 1451. 1451. Now, here's the thing. Somebody's going to say sample size. This is not, you know what? Forget this. It's been two months now. It's been two months. Right, it's two months. You know what you got. 25%. 25, it's a solid number. 25%. And he didn't even start putting McCann in there until the 24th of April. So a, a large portion of it, probably half now. I mean, if you think about that, it's been two months of baseball. So half of May, McCann has been in there. This, this is a massive difference. By putting a bad player that you keep forcing into the four spot because either, and the, and the reason is either because left-handed hitter, okay, or we want him to do well because we want to save face after this terrible idea to sign the brother-in-law of Manny Machado and his buddy who's still injured. And we have to show the fans something so we need him to be good or at least good enough that we could trade him for like a C-level or D-level prospect so we can say we got something out of him. So we're going to just keep forcing this and we have to prove that we weren't idiots for signing Castillo for the money that we signed him for. And then he got an 80 game PED suspension and came out, hit 190 for you to start that. the season. Yeah. Okay. In the next year. So it's, it's one or the other, but somewhere along the line, what you're doing here is you're damaging the other members of the team. If you're Jose Abreu, you should be sitting in Ricky Renteria's office or Rick Hadd's office and say, what? You don't like me anymore. You don't like me anymore. Right. You want me to fail? You want this team to lose games because your three and your four spots are just a wasteland. He did it the other day. He did it the game a game I watched. He's got Castillo. He's still doing it, Chris. He's got Castillo in the four spot the other day. The four spot. You know, look. I understand we sound like blowhards. I understand that I have been told on Facebook and Twitter that <laughs> stats are the arguments of morons. Please call the show if you have if you have any legitimate reason why either Yonder Alonso or Wellington Castillo should be even on this team, much less batting fourth, give us a reason why these two bums are still on this team and playing every day and batting in the four spot. Well, it's, it's the same thing as I hit somebody on, uh, on Twitter this week when I, when I said you know, it, it, during the rain delay on Memorial Day, Yomer did what Yomer does, and that's why they keep him around because he's the court jester. He goes and he, you know, he's making upside down snow angels or like on his stomach at, at, out at first base in the pouring rain. And he, he goes and stands at the top of the dugout and pours a Gatorade thing on top of him to entertain the fans. He did everything except juggle just so that people know that, you know, he's, he's fun. You know, get Yomer's out there. He's fun. Please don't get rid of me. And I wrote something like, I, I wrote something like, is this why we keep him around? I'm just trying to figure it out. And some guy goes, well, he's got. He's got one of the highest wars on the team right now. Um, and not this year. Overall, over the last couple of years, you must be looking at because this year he's he's at, you know, zero. I think he's at like negative 0.1 or positive 0.1. Right. That is the case. But last year he had a 1.7 wins above replacement. Look, if you're going to sit around, you're going to try to tell me that the reason he's good is because he was one of the top five wars on the team last year. That's the same as sitting there and telling me a guy is fast because he keeps coming in second place in a one-legged contest. <laughs> if he actually was playing against guys with two legs, he was running against guys with two legs, he'd be terrible. That team last year lost 100 games. Being one of the top five guys in war on that team is not an accomplishment. Well, that's not Yolmer. Everyone else, Yolmer's the only guy with two legs in the one-legged butt-kicking contest. <laughs> that's what he's doing. That's what he is. Socks. <laughs>
in the basement Socks in the basement Socks in the basement James Fox is on the phone line with us He's our good friend He's been with us almost since the beginning He writes for Future Socks And he also writes from time to time for the Loop Sports Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm ready to talk draft, and I've been waiting on purpose because we've had so many people ask, are we going to do something to preview the draft? And I was like, I want to wait till we get close because things change. They do. Not a lot has changed, though, I don't think, with the first four picks. It, 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 take me through the last couple of months. What, what new thing has happened with these four guys that seem to be up at the top right now if I look at MLB Pipeline? And I remember them being up at the top, uh, I thought, a month or so ago when I looked at it, in Rushman, Witt Jr., Vaughn, and Abrams. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's similar names. I think I think if somebody drops it, actually, it's going to be Andrew Vaughn. And I don't... I wrote an article in the past about how the Sox are in a good spot because they get to pick between one of the top three guys, and they've been super college-heavy lately. So you think, like, Rushman, Vaughn, and Bobby Witt Jr., who's a lot of people's second-best player, obviously, like, after after Rushman. So, But it, it sounds like Vaughn, if the Sox do what I think we're going to talk about here tonight and what, what, what it's, like, rumored that they're going to do, I think Vaughn might fall a little bit, actually. So that that's kind of up in the air. So this next week could be interesting as far as like where he actually ends up. And we can talk about some of the reasons why he might be dropping just a little. Adley Rushman is the guy that everybody's saying a catcher is the number one. But what's interesting is, and, and I want to address this, we'll get this right off the bat. He He's supposed to go number one overall, but every mock draft has Bobby Witt Jr. going second no matter what. And it's almost as though people believe that if Rushman doesn't get drafted number one overall, if for some reason there's a surprise, he isn't going two. They're sold on Witt Jr. He's go, he'll, he'll be available at three. Is that is that a good way to ev- assess the rumors that are coming out right now, that, that that if he doesn't get picked number one overall, he could be sitting for the Sox at three? Yeah, I think I think that actually makes sense. I, I would actually say that the two most likely names for the White Sox at three are C.J. Abrams, the high school shortstop out of Georgia and Adley Rushman. Now, I, I don't know what to believe. Like the the Baltimore thing is is weird, and that's Mike Elias, who was the uh, scouting director, I believe, for the Astros. But he definitely worked for the Astros, and he was one of the guys who unearthed um, Carlos Correa, like out of Puerto Rico, back when you know Carlos Correa was mentioned as like a top ten guy in that draft, but he wasn't necessarily supposed to go one and the Astros kind of made the game playing up at the top of the draft famous where, you know, they, they get a good player, but maybe not a guy that's going to take like your entire bonus pool amount. And then you could like spread more money out throughout the rest of the draft. Now there's some thought that Baltimore might try to do that, but I mean, Rushman might be the best number one overall since Bryce Harper. So while he might not, totally fit their window because he's probably going to be in the majors in 18 months and they're still going to be really bad by then. I, I think it's kind of tough to pass on that guy, but it is interesting. I mean, the only way, like, like you were saying, like he, he could fall to the socks. Now it, it depends on who goes one though. Like if they, if they pass on Rushman at one, but they take Bobby Witt, then I think Rushman goes two. It seems like the Royals are all about Witt. Right. Yeah, the, the Royals are taking Bobby Wood. I think if he, unless he goes one. Yeah. So yeah. So I think he he's going one, which kind of like a lot of people have like Rushman Wit one two. So they're not even talking about Wit to the Sox. Like I personally think the Sox would take Wit, but I just don't think I don't think he's going to be there. 
And I think they know that too. I mean, that's, this is like basically signed, sealed and delivered to Kansas city. All right. Let's talk about the two guys that I've heard the most about that would go to the white Sox at three and who it's going to be between. We got Andrew Vaughn at first base. We have CJ Abrams. Who's a shortstop. Vaughn is a college player. Abrams is a, is a high school player. The White Sox have only taken two high school players, correct me if I'm wrong, since the turn of this century, and neither one of them worked out for them. Does that affect them when they're making a pick? Do you think that this front office is like, we don't do well with this, let's just take the safe pick in college? I don't, I don't think it can. I, th- I mean, I think they've obviously been more risk-averse lately, and they've went, they've went on the college side. Now, I think... I'll preface this by saying, like, this is the fourth year under Nick Hostetler's reign. He, um, while he was in the organization, like, he, he's added a lot of new scouts, and there's people in different jobs. So, I mean, when people go back and they point to Courtney Hawkins, and they point to Carson Fulmer, and they're destined to, like, pick somebody that, that's pretty bad, I, I, don't really, I don't really buy into that. And I also think it's too early to really, like, criticize any of his picks the last three years. I mean, look, you can look at – some of them and say, you know, like Zach Collins, Jake Berger, there's been some issues, but it is still too early to make any determinations there. So when Nick Hostetler took over this job, he said he really liked high school players. When he worked for the, for the Braves, that's like what he did. So I actually thought they were going to start taking high school players a lot sooner. But, you know, he also said that they needed to insulate their, this system. They needed to add baseball players to the White Sox farm system because the system was so bad that they needed like a base of players. And we've talked about this in the past where, you know, their system at, in spots lacks high upside, but I think there's a lot of big leaguers in the system. So, you know, those guys are also tradable down the road. So I, I think it's time. I think it's time to go younger. And I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, he also said to James Fagan in a, uh, in, the, in one of his athletic pieces that, you know, last year you got to see the personality of the scouting department a little bit. I mean, they did take five or six high school guys last year, and it was kind of a break from, like, the recent norm there. So, no, I don't think, I don't think they'll be scared. I think fans are, are going to freak out, but, you know, they can't, they can't be scared by the, by the premium athlete, I don't think. Talk me off of the ledge slightly on this because I – I always like the idea of middle infielders. So I would always tend to go towards a guy like Abrams. But that said, even though Vaughn supposedly runs like he's got a piano on his back and grades out to be basically just a first baseman unless we get lucky and he can move over to third, and that's the most I've read about him, the one thing about him is he's going to hit. That he, he rates out really high as a hitter. And every scout says, no matter what this, no matter what you say about him, he's going to get to the major leagues. He's going to hit, and he's going to hit for power. He seems pretty short, at least on the batting side of things. Is am I wrong? Is there? Have you heard about holes in his in his game that would make that wrong? Because I mean, there's a lot less questions. It seems like with him, and you know, we're the team that's dealing with weird injuries and guys that don't work out as much as we want them to right now. Talk me off the ledge here because I keep thinking that Vaughn probably should be number three. Yeah, so Vaughn is very, very safe because I think he's going to hit, but he's under six feet tall and he's right-handed okay. and he's a first baseman. So those guys don't go this high. Like Andrew Vaughn can completely mash. I mean, his his offensive profile has been, you know, like it's similar to Chris Bryant. Now it's at first base. So then it comes into question, do you take a first baseman with a pick that high? And, and that's, I think, what... So Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline has kind of said the White Sox are looking for up-the-middle players. Um, so 
I guess the the one good thing about C.J. Abrams would be if he doesn't stick in his primary position, which is shortstop, he's a gold glove caliber defender in center field, whereas some of the first-rounders they've taken lately who have had defensive concerns, well, those defensive concerns push them to first base or push them to designated hitter. So if you're like secondary option is gold glove center fielder like you know that's that's not a bad option now i understand like you take 18 year olds like um there's there's a lot of risk there but there's also like a lot more time to figure it out like we've seen with some of the you know the jake burgers and zach collins is like you take these guys and they're supposed to be like quick to the majors and they're safer but if anything goes wrong at all you're looking at, you know, you're looking at debuting at 24, 25 years old, where um, with some of this high school talent, it's just not really like that. So I think this is the time. I think Andrew Vaughn, look, if they take Andrew Vaughn next Monday night, I'm going to be super happy about it. Because I think Andrew Vaughn, similarly to Rushman, could be up in 18 months and like sitting in the middle of your order somewhere. Is it the best use of resources, though? I don't know. I mean, you're not planning on picking this high again, theoretically, um, you know, you you should be able to sign or draft the first baseman like when you're good. If you don't have one, you know, can you get a C.J. Abrams? I don't know if you can. You give me hope, James. When you say things like that, you give me hope, and that's good. I need hope here. I sit next to Negative Dave. <laughs> when we do the podcast, he comes in here angry, slams his f- fist down on the bar, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Sometimes I can't even figure out why he's angry. He just yells. Well, if you watch all the Major League games, it happens. I don't. That's, <laughs> people, and some people have said that. Like, Maybe I'm a bad fan. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch all the games. So now I, I, DV, I DVR them and like kind of find out what happened and then I'll go back and watch the games. Like right. I watch all the G, I watch all the Giolito starts, you know, I even thought like, Oh, it's Memorial day and it's a day game. Like maybe I should go down to the ballpark. And then I'm like, Ivan Nova. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> so. Oh, maybe they'll have open pitching tryouts in July. We, we, we could get yeah. like a fan could pitch for a day. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, something. It's they're, they're hurting. Yeah. One day Dylan Cease will be here. I know they're not going to rush him, but one day. Soon. Dylan it'll be, Cease it'll will be sooner. Be here. It's going to be sooner than you think. Hey, James Fox. He's from Future Sox. He's from Loop Sports. He spent a lot of time with us. I really appreciate it. And I hope the draft goes well, buddy. All righty. I'll. I'll check in afterwards, and uh, we can we can recap in a week or so. Definitely, I owe you a beer too. Next time we bump into each other at a game. Sounds good. The best the best kind of beer is free beer, right? That's right. Oh. Exactly. All right, let's talk about this. Um, talk about this road trip because well, I was I was fine with the road trip's results, and I'll tell you why before you jump in. Okay, I didn't expect him to do anything better than two and five. You're going out and playing the, the Astros, Astros, and, and you're going out and playing the Twins, and the Twins are going to win the Central hands down. Okay, in fact, the Twins being so good, I watched it this weekend and said to myself, even if you don't go and get Manny Machado or you pick up somebody like Adam Jones or something like, if you do any of the moves we said because we wanted to be a little bit competitive. You weren't going to beat that team. That no. team's good. That team can do everything. We're, we have we are a long way from that team. That should be a wake-up call to this team of all the work that needs to be done on it's that team. It's not, Chris. It's not because you know what? It, here we go again with the Twins, right? I mean, they're bad for, you know, they're good, and then they're bad for a little while, and then they're good again, and then they're bad for a little while again, and now they're good again. And, and they're going to be good now for a while. And they're going to be good for a while. Time, yeah. And in the in the in the time that the twins have cycled from good to bad to good to bad, and now they're good again, we've been just muddling around. We've just been bad. And, yeah, we've just been <laughs> five hundred. Five. If you take out the World Series year, five hundred at best. This is how I equate it. Since the World Series year, 
I don't find any real accomplishments of note. Everybody no. wants to point out 2008 making the playoffs. Remember, if the Twins don't completely choke and then a coin flip doesn't go your way and Major League Baseball changed the rule right after it because it was all, because even they realized how ridiculous it was that a team that dominated another team had to go on the road and face that team in game 163. And then you go in there and you're, you're not even at the same level as all the other teams in the postseason. You were the worst team in the postseason that year and you were summarily just tossed right out. And you deserve to be because you weren't that good. In reality, since we won a World Series, it's been all downhill from there. Yes. And what that should what that should show you, and I've said this before, you get teams like you get organizations like the Twins, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Okay. These are organizations that know how to operate. They know how to put together winning. They know how to put together a winning product on the field and they do so consistently. And here the and you know, and here the twins go again. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School, 6527 West 127th Street in Palos Heights. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. Students of all ages and ability levels will have the opportunity to perform three times a year in a student concert. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, call 708-586-7002 or go to westgatemusicschool.com. Jose Urania, or Urena if you're nasty. Marlins pitcher, 27 years old, making around $3 million. Got three years more of control on him. And the Marlins are supposedly shopping him. Interesting. Here's a guy that could very easily be a back-end rotation guy, a solid back-end rotation guy for a pitching staff that is not as sure-footed as you thought it was even 12 oh, months ago. No. And what and what is coming up? Why wouldn't you get a guy like this? This is a this is a prime pick, and you know I, I'm going to give him credit because we talked about it off the air. But I was talking with James Fox about it, and he brought it up. He says, you know, the guy that's down in the Marlins organization right now who could be making that decision is also the guy that drafted Blake Rutherford. Hmm. It almost seems like a match made in heaven. Right, and like Bla- the guy and, believed in Blake Rutherford. And would you deal it? Would you deal a Blake Rutherford who has who used to be a guy in the MLB top 100 pipeline and isn't there anymore? Would you deal a guy like that for a guy who you know is going to go out and perform for you? And is controllable, and you could fill into your pitching staff for the next couple See, of years. I don't know what you're gonna get. I from, would. I don't know what you're gonna get for a Blake Rutherford. No, no, no. no though, but what I'm I mean, saying like, is that you know he might be the guy in Miami might be interested in him because he's the guy who drafted him. Guys fall in love with their draft. No, picks. yes, they, oh, we talked yes, about this before. Yes, yes, so you could yes, you could put him. It wouldn't be. It might not even be straight up. You, you you add a few other guys in there, but he's like the he's like your main piece. He's the main piece. See what I'm saying? You know, and there might be something else. I have no problem with dealing prospects if it brings you back guys that you can that are that are major leaguers that you can use. I have especially, no, especially no if issue with it whatsoever. Especially if they're not rentas. No, it's not a renta player. No, it's I know that, a, and it's I not a guy that. that you don't have control of. He's got arbitration years ahead of him. You have control of him, and well, and like he's said, and that's... he's and he's shown that he can pitch, and he's pitched well. If you look at his stats, he has pitched well on a bad team. This is a guy who. With the exception of the very beginning of the season, his whip's a little high right now. It's over my 1.30 uh, 
standard because he just got rocked for the first couple weeks of the season. And now he's back to pitching how he's always pitched, and he pitched well last year too. He's one of those guys, you look at his win total, you go, ugh. But he's playing for the Marlins. You look at his, his actual numbers, totally worth it. Totally worth for that for that cost. If the Marlins are ready to move on because they see their window is a few years later, why not? I mean, well, it's, give them some dude, players because, dude, you, dude, you're gonna need pitching help. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna need some pitching help because you're right. This pitching staff is not what you thought. It's not what you thought it was gonna be because Kopech going down was one thing. You know, you're like, I didn't. I mean, yeah, you're like, yes, this guy is a a major cog in the rebuild and blah blah blah. But I mean, we weren't talking about being competitive until 2020. Then one of your then Dane Dunning goes down. All right. Then then Rodon goes down. Then Ronaldo Lopez is just bad all of a sudden. So you've got, and, and you made no, absolutely no additions to your pitching staff of note in free agency. Like you had, you got Nova who is bad and Santana who is dead. So it's, it's like, you've got one pitcher, dude, you got one. And, and, you know, with Rodon's history of injuries now, like we've said, we love the guy, but dude, can you really depend on this guy for a full season? And we don't even, we still don't even know what you have in Michael Kopech. All right. Because he's come up and he's pitched, you know, 20 major league innings or whatever it was. So yeah, you need some, you, you, you need some pitching help, dude. Big time. One of the guys we're going to be talking to very soon. In fact, next week, Steve Paradinsky. He wrote an article for the Loop Sports talking about guys that need to be trimmed off of this roster, the fat that is on this roster. We were so in line with what he wrote yes. because we had talked about a lot of this before he wrote it. It was almost like he was down there in the bar talking with us. Yeah, he was in our head, okay? Yeah. Alonzo, Nova, Sanchez, Castillo. Those are the four main guys yes. that he's like, I need to be trimmed off the line, yes. the roster. And he says, give the, give the, you know, at this point, you're not competitive. You're not beating the Twins. You're not getting a wild card. See what you've got. Right. You know, start bringing guys I, up and see what they can listen, do. Let me tell you something right now. I believe we're going to see Dylan Cease before the 4th of July. Oh, you have to. I believe we're going to see Zach Collins sooner than later. I believe this team has got to be getting to the point where some of these guys have to move on. I believe it. Okay. Do they believe it? I don't know. But I believe I I. I have to believe it because otherwise I'll just be banging my head off a table for, for the next couple of months. It's a nine foot Oak bar. That'll hurt. <laughs> it would, it would hurt a lot. Uh, remember we've got the draft show that is going to be coming out. The draft special coming out this weekend. If you're on the feed, if you don't subscribe, I don't know why not. It's free. It pops up in your phone, on your Spotify, your iTunes, whatever podcast player that you're listening to get socks in the basement on there so that you don't miss the draft show, the full draft show that is coming out this weekend. The complete conversation between myself and James Fox as we get ready to see who the White Sox are going to pick. And I swear, if they pick a name that we didn't mention in the draft show, my head might explode. <laughs> it's like, that might be it. There might be chunks. There might be a chunk over there on the couch. And a chunk over there on the on the bar side and the neon side. It's gonna be like that dude in scanners. Yeah, be chunks everywhere. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the dude is basement. And the dude is basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. 
Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Socks in the Basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.